nerds watch Disney podcasts. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dudes Watch Disney episode 10. 10. 10. 10. We met him. We did. That that was nobody. I mean, if you're not a wrestling fan, no one gets it. We're talking about Sleeping Beauty. And also, I thought about doing that episode intro like 17 episodes ago. Like, it was one of the first things I thought of. So Somehow thought of doing that 17 episodes ago. <laughs> that Just one said it was episode 10. Totally a given that uh, I didn't have to think too hard to come up with an intro this time. Anyway, Sleeping Beauty uh, is what we got on the... On our dinner plates today, talking about a film released in 1959, and we're back to fairy tale land for for Disney. This one based on a, a ballet by Tchaikovsky. Apparently, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, it's a story too. Like uh, right. in the credits, it tells us it's based off the the novel version by uh, Charles Perrault. He French the shit out of that name. That's his name. <laughs> he, uh, you know, wrote. He also he wrote several versions of fairy tales, but uh, I didn't watch credits, one of them. So you know, that's new to me. Opening credits, what I meant. It's in the mm, opening credits. I wasn't paying attention. Oh, okay. I was too busy writing this paragraph at the beginning about how I've only seen this film one time and don't remember shit. So if we want to go childhood memories, never watched it as a child. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I I watched it, I guess, for the first time when we watched it in two thousand nine. Yep. And then I think I watched one day on on Freeform, not even all of it. Probably watched half of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen them showing this before. It seems mm-hmm. like they only show the same like four. The movies. one that I watched was a recording off of Freeform, hmm. which it turns out I recorded nearly a year ago today. <laughs> I was looking at the info and recorded it on February twentieth, two thousand sixteen. <laughs> In other news, happy one-year anniversary to the podcast. Right. I mean, I guess we... We were planning stuff then. We did our practice one spring break, right? We did it the night of Roadblock, the first one. Uh, Because I remember you talked about that, uh, the wrestling. Well, right, right. no, but I don't... In February sometime. It could have been early March, but it wouldn't have been spring break, though. But I think we did our first... Did we record our first actual episode spring break? Because that was the plan, was we were going to record spring break. We recorded our first actual episode on the last day at my old job. (laughs) So that was post-WrestleMania. So not spring break. Not spring break, then. So yeah, who knows when we did shit. Anyway, way off the rails. Sleeping Beauty. What I do remember about watching this the one time I did, I was... I don't know. Going into it, I think I still had that, oh, it's a girl movie, like, hang up going on. I would have been 19 when we watched this, so I was still kind of a shithead. So going into it, I was like, well, this could be really crappy, but I was pleasantly surprised because there was, the movie was mostly about a bunch of sassy grandmas, which (laughs) I didn't see coming. So that was my only preconceived notion going into it this time. And also the big heavy hitter of this film is the villain Maleficent. So going to be a big talking point there. Speaking of Maleficent, did you ever see that movie? I did not. Okay. It might be worth checking out after watching this. I'll let you figure that out. But uh, when I watched it, what I was mostly reminded of was the Patton Oswalt bit where he talks about he wants to go back in time and kill George Lucas for the shuffle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the the whole thing was like, hey, Maleficent's cool, right? Well, what if you saw her as a kid? <laughs> like, 
Yeah, and from what that is, what I heard about the movie is right. that it's basically how can we make it where she's not really the bad guy? Right, her whole character is bad guy. Right, and she's great at that. I don't know. It just took a weird like fairy forest turn in, like the first half hour of the movie. It was quite strange. You know, when we really want to see her just be a dragon and kill shits, or maybe I'm just speaking for me, I guess. <laughs> but I don't uh, care for Angelina Jolie. There, I said it at all. If you're listening to the show. Don't like you. Don't know why. I really don't even have a, a good argument for why I don't like her. Just, eh, something about her. I'm trying to think of Angelina Jolie movies I've actually watched. Yeah, I'm thinking the list for me is, like, gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> so, I think I watched a Tomb Raider once. Nope, so. not me. Ugh. So, yeah, may just be that. Her and Nick Cage. So you know it's good. <laughs> I'm sure it's a great, great film. But this film, uh, one thing it does have going for it is the the medieval setting, which we get into right at the beginning, the opening credits. We kind of get to see, hey, castles and, you know, knights and shining armor and shit like that. And that's something we haven't really seen Disney do yet. Uh, when we saw, like, Snow White or uh, Cinderella, that's a different sort of more elegant style where this seems to be set like a good two or three hundred years before that, I would guess. They do say multiple times in this film, it's the 14th century, so... We at least know that. Right. I mean, it's probably, I mean, it's kind of hard to say <clears throat> when Snow White would be set because we don't really see much later. going on. I don't know. Right. Just from the style of. But this, you're right, feels very much, it's set in the Middle Ages. Right. Including with the arranged marriage and mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, uniting the two countries that way. Right. Having to, not really rival, but the two different kings uh, coming up with a plan together. Another thing we get here right at the beginning is we get to see. Uh, something we enjoyed early on in some of the early films we watched, which was the the opening shot of the book that we're gonna be gonna be reading today. But this time we mix it up, and it's a live action book. Well, that and a bejeweled to Helen back book, <laughs> like holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> I didn't pick up this on is, that. Uh, Liberace's uh, Sleeping Beauty book. Here, I guess like. so. Well, it was pretty neat because you know we saw. You know, sleep or uh, Snow White open up with like animated book opens to animated, you know, telling of the story. You know, watercolor pictures and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But then this was like filming an actual book on a table, and then that opens up, and then it's right, sort of transitions the cool, to the animation yeah, there sure. with the the illustrations in the book. And I thought that was creative. Yeah, the illustrations in the book look cool, and then we slowly morph from those illustrations to the actual. Right. animation is a, is a really neat now, way I to think, start the story yeah and i this the the animation style of this film kind of grew on me but at the beginning i thought it looked like monty python with all the like villagers like going through the yeah coming to know. the castle i go back and forth on it whether like i think this is cool or i think this looks cheap <laughs> it, uh, it's hard i mean to tell. i like the flashy colors but then there are times where it's like this seems kind of clunky and like yeah i don't know and the backgrounds the the stuff that's in the foreground really pops and is bright and is nice but a lot of the backgrounds are pretty plain all the way throughout this movie yeah and like you said about the colors like it's just like straight blue sky straight red building like that does seem kind of quickly done i don't know but, uh, Which nothing about this movie was actually quickly done, as it took over ten years to get it made. Yeah. Um, Which that alone is kind of surprising to me, because the a couple of times in this film it seemed like we were out of ideas, which made it feel like quickly or made it feel like rushed. But I guess it was quite the opposite. Maybe we took so long we went uh, double backed on what we were doing a couple times. I don't know. 
But the film itself opens up with set in the scene we got a king and a queen and they want a daughter and then they have one and they name her aurora and they're happy so uh, everyone pay homage to the royal family and bestow gifts upon the daughter and all that fun stuff opening song here i noticed the lyrics rhyme the name aurora with the phrase adore her which i thought was pretty fucking lame yeah the lyrics i mean we can talk about the soundtrack starting now the <laughs> mm-hmm. this movie this is a cool idea they've taken the uh the work by Tchaikovsky. yeah and they have used as much of that as possible embellished it here and there to make you right. know some of it work and that's cool uh however <laughs> yeah here comes the however but the lyrics they made up to go in place are pretty lame and very repetitive especially on this song like how many times can you say hail to the princess aurora like yeah got it i mean i really don't the, when we get to songs like there's really only one that I could see ever being on, like, a sing-along tape or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's the fucking Once Upon a Dream, mm-hmm. I think it was. Which, even in my brain, I'm struggling to remember that, because uh, in the movie uh, Anastasia, which I've seen more than this, has a, its big romantic, like, sing-along is Once Upon a December. So those, like, are blending in my head at this point, and I can't keep them straight. Never seen that one, by well, the way. It's not fair to compare the two because it came out 40 years after this, so... Sure. But it's decent. I feel like we might do a, a Don Bluth, like, bonus situation sometime down the line. So, uh, yeah, we hear the song. Uh, we see some of the guests. The uh, neighboring king and, and queen are there ta- discussing the arranged marriage. Right. I'm here to discuss everything with King Stefan and Queen plot device. Uh, <laughs> the queen gets, I think, maybe one line in this movie and is in no way a... Uh, right important to the plots i was disappointed in in king uh hubert that's, that's the other king that's the other king he was fun i thought well when i first saw him i was like hey that's cinderella's father-in-law because <laughs> they look pretty much the same but was it the same voice actor it was not which oh, okay. was my disappointment in this first scene you don't hear him say anything you just see uh the guy so it was like hey that's kind of cool like maybe because that's the thing now is everyone's made up all this backstory for how the characters in different disney movies are related or whatever that's like, true yeah now they're saying tarzan is is anna and elsa's brother and like what yeah, that's <laughs> that's a thing i heard I students heard... explaining to me earlier this okay. week like i heard frozen and tangled i had not heard tarzan yeah, and was the in the mix ship that the parents sail away on is supposed to be prince eric's ships from from uh, little mermaid and okay. just like this a is lot the fucking of... marvel cinematic universe here i like... guess i don't know anyway back to what i was i don't remember what i was saying anyway it looked like uh i don't prince charming's dad from is his name charming what's the prince's name in cinderella i think dead charming i guess i don't right. think they ever give a name okay that prince's dad yeah. looked like prince hubert and i was initially excited later in the movie i when he gets to speak i was just like oh well he does seem to be the same kind of boisterous right nature. which i think he's actually voiced by jock yeah i think so yeah slash smee slash whoever all else. of yeah that that one guy is doing all of disney's work <laughs> But, uh, Which the voice cast, uh, I know we're jumping around all over the place, but the voice cast from this movie, we actually aren't familiar we with. We see so. uh, or hear a lot of people that, you know, sort of Disney's greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the, the the fairy godmother from Cinderella. You've got Lady Tremaine, uh, who's from Cinderella, <laughs> yeah, from Cinderella, who's Maleficent. The right. godmother's one of the, the fairies. The other one, uh, I'm sure she's been in other Disney things, mm-hmm. but all I could remember her from was the little female mouse in Robin Hood. That's, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, 
Periwinkle. What was her name? Merryweather. Merryweather, the blue one. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, the blue fairy. I recognized her as now, the uh, blue fairy is a different character. That's from that's Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yes. I recognized her as Kanga from. Uh, there you the go. Pooh. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so okay. She's yeah. She's but a, a lot of our, our greatest hits. A German uh, as far in as the Disney, Disney voice acting yeah. world. But uh, yeah, the uh, the fairies are showing up here. Uh, no one reacts to this. I guess magic's just kind of a thing in this kingdom because, hey, fairies just show up. You would think they'd be celebrities, though, at least. Yeah, like, even if magic were a thing where you'd be like, oh, cool, the fairies are here. Yeah. That's well, Especially awesome. if you're, like, the small folk invited to this. Do you this. think we need maybe uh, to sort of flesh this movie out a little bit to see some of the, like, or hear some of the peasant folk that are there, like, conversing with each other you think that would help like for someone to go oh wow the fairies are here yeah you know to make i have a lot of questions specifically about these fairies because i mean i think it would make all the main characters seem like bigger deals like oh wow there's the king and this guy's a king in a neighboring kingdom yeah oh she's bad news yeah like maybe like a little kid who's like mom is explaining who all these people are which would also work for the audience getting that explanation yeah just some sort of ensemble cast maybe I don't know, because uh, I have a lot of questions regarding these fairies. Uh, we meet them here. There's a red one, a green one, and a blue one. Their names are... I wrote them down here and then never remembered them, but Flora, Fauna, and Merriweather, not Periwinkle. <laughs> they uh, are giving gifts to the new princess. They give her, like... And the, the animation goes, like, trippy kaleidoscope effect for the gifts of... Uh, the gifts she gives... The gifts she receives are the gift of beauty, the gift of song... And then Meriwether doesn't get her gift out. Uh, she's interrupted by, I assume, that gift was going to be cooking and cleaning and whatever else we're asking women to do at this point. Uh, Beauty probably, and song are your gifts. Probably thigh gap. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably it. <laughs> uh, Maleficent arrives and interrupts the proceedings to give her... Uh, well, first, she explains how she is a little bit upset that she wasn't invited. Uh, which everyone else is kind of afraid to say anything back, both in one of the, I don't remember which fairy it is. I think, <laughs> I think Meriwether points out that she, not only was she not invited, the reason that she wasn't invited was that no one wanted her there. Oh. Um, they even like straight up say that to her where they could have just let it, oh, it was an oversight. And, yeah, you know, they could have played it off. Right. Cause they act like they're afraid shit. of her later, but they're, they're pretty bold and just saying like, yeah, like maybe they don't think she'll do anything to them in front of everyone. Like, I don't know, but well, uh, uh Maleficent's first line, like she totally zings the fairies here. Cause she's like, Oh, what a lovely gathering you're having here. You have the royalty and, you know, the pageantry. And then she looks at the fairies and goes, and the rabble. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. But uh, because she feels so slighted, she decides to give her own gift to uh, Princess Aurora. But her gift is a curse. Right. Now, I do appreciate about bad guys. her gift that uh, Maleficent is playing by improv rules here where you can't undo what other people have done you have to yes and right so she doesn't try to undo the beauty or undo the uh song or whatever right it's but this is going to happen too you know which is not a rule as we get to the third gift that meriwether feels she has to play by yeah where what we get okay the the curse here uh if you're not familiar with the movie is on Aurora's 16th birthday, she will prick her finger on a spinning wheel and die. Which I already have a bunch of questions of, like, why? That <laughs> seems oddly specific. And you oddly, could just say she'll die when she's 16. I, mean, I know that's how fairy tales work. She'll get hit by a like, car and die. Well, like, pick a thing. What does 
How, how right. I mean, I get, your finger ever kill we're going to do anything. like, well, that's a good point. Uh, I guess tetanus uh, could have been a problem <laughs> yeah, in the okay. Middle Ages. Uh, Probably. But, you know, I mean, I she guess will it's, contract it's a, a pox common, and... like, myth- mythological fairy tale thing of, like, not yeah. being able to escape fate and all that. Right. And I like that. But even the Although fairies... this is pretty random. Like, yeah. And why would a princess ever encounter a spinning wheel? Like, good question. Seems like other people could do the sewing for her. Right. But um, now she encounters it because she walks right to it later in the movie. Right. But which seems like she could have just like dropped an ha- anvil on her or some shit. <laughs> right. Like, like you Maleficent have that kind of could power. do whatever she yeah, wants. Why here. not just kill her where she's at? Like why even mess around with this? <laughs> why curse? not just like, go back in time? Maybe and shoot that makes him when it he's worse on the for or something. Yeah. But there you go. There you go, Scott <laughs> Evil. But the, so the blue fairy still has her gift to give, but she explains that. She's not allowed to undo Maleficent's curse. But then be- proceeds to undo it. Like, she right. doesn't play by the improv rules that Maleficent did. Well, she says she can't undo it because of some unexplained fairy power ranking bullshit. Right. Like- <laughs> she said, yeah, Malefic- Maleficent is too powerful for me to undo the curse. But I can make it where she won't die, which right. is, in theory, undoing the curse. Like- this is like the kid you're playing with as a kid being like, no, I have a force field. So Right, yeah. And so, of course... Uh, that's the new new curse. Right. Which, if you could do that, couldn't you just give her impenetrable fingers or something? Like, oh, well, she's got adamantium skin now. Boom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do, like, a sassy, like... Yeah. You didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, but, so, she will prick her finger on her 16th birthday and die, but she can be awakened by true love's first kiss, which is basically taking the Snow White situation, but, like, explaining it to the audience as opposed to just, like, and then a prince showed up and kissed her and she got better. Right. Like, Snow that White is true. was. Uh, which... One of the rules in making this movie for over ten years, one of the things that Walt Disney was adamant about hmm. as they continued making it was it cannot be anything like Snow White. Really? That was, yeah. I'm curious as to how this guy made this. <laughs> right, so I don't know what... When they did Walt changed. Disney die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he thought this was sufficiently removed enough, okay. but it feels a little Snow Whitey. I felt like this whole movie was just like the now, greatest hits of Disney. Right. Well, that's like, true. Like yeah. now, part of it they, they're they're sort of stuck with. Like if you're gonna do Sleeping yeah. Beauty, there's the story's already there. Like right. you can change here and there, but that those things already happen. And True Love's first kiss is part of it. And yes. And so maybe they tried to do away with that by, like you said, setting it up ahead of time and explaining, yeah. spending more time with the villain and trying to do it differently than Snow White. Snow White does it better, though. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so the king's response to all this is to burn all the spinning wheels in the kingdom. But he does this on that day when he knows this isn't going to happen for 16 yeah. years. Yeah, I wrote several things here. Um <laughs> I don't know what this does for the textile industry of this kingdom. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess the whole kingdom will go naked for the next 16 right, years. Right, like, how are these people getting clothing? Like, this seems, and like you said, I didn't even think about that, but 16 years in the future, like, we could keep yeah. using shit Get until use then. out of it, man. Uh, before we go on to that, though, throughout this whole ceremony, we have this, like, choir of, of singers that's just interjecting themselves randomly. <laughs> like, every, someone will say a line and then... And repeat that again for no reason. Turn into a rock opera or yeah, something. Yeah, it's just like, I kind of wish there was some sort of parody version of this. Or like if one of the characters would like talk back to the choir and be like, I'm t- like a Monty Python sort <laughs> yeah. of deal of like, I'm still talking, damn it. Like, <laughs> he's still talking. Like, yeah, it could which be reminds me, did you ever watch the show Gallivant? 
No, we recorded it and then never watched it. Oh, it's uh, it was up and down, but it was pretty funny. Like it was a musical and sort of a parody of yeah. these sort of fairy Reed tale Al things. Was in it. I know that. He was yeah, he was in one ep- one or two episodes. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, they did those sorts of things, and all the songs were really... Like, they were well-made songs. They got, like, Broadway, yeah. uh, you know, writers to write these songs. But they were all goofy in hell, and so, uh, goofy as hell, and, like, yeah. turned... Uh, played on these sorts of, of, of devices. But, yeah, it's pretty funny. I might just check it out. I think it's on the Netflix already, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. You know what else is on Netflix? Nope. VR Troopers. Really? Yeah, I saw I that. I used to like that You know show. what else is interesting? VR Troopers had 92 episodes. Did it? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, because we saw like five. Yeah, and I had all the toys for some reason. Oh, yeah, because we wanted to be Ryan Steele. <laughs> you remembered his name. Yeah. I did not. Because for whatever reason, we bought that giant one, and yeah. everyone in the family knew his name, I guess because we talked about him too much. But like Dad would be like, that's the ultimate Ryan Steele right there when he would trip on it or whatever. Like, yeah. Anyway, so they burned all the spinning wheels, yep. damning the uh, the clothing industry. Of, I mean, maybe they're importing all this stuff. I don't know. They are a kingdom. But, maybe that's uh, part of the trade. Like he'll marry or she'll marry your your son, but you have to give us all of your your clothing. Uh, some sort of barter system. We get some more magic description things here that I just raise further questions for me because the fairies explain that they they can only do good with their magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which. That raises some morality questions of, like, would killing the supervillain be a good thing? Like, you're just letting her go on about her thing. Does that not count as good? And one of the fairies, I assume Flora from her name, Red uh, is Flora, has the idea of what if we just turned her into a flower? And that way she could never prick her finger because she wouldn't have a finger. And that's that's like an Yzma plan from Emperor's <laughs> New Groove. Yeah. Like, but so there's that. <laughs> Turn him into a flea. <laughs> right. So there's that. But just putting that aside, the other fairy says to her, no, she'll be expecting that. <laughs> Which is just, <laughs> wait a minute. Why? What kind of crazy ass plan? Like, do you oh th- yeah, they're definitely gonna turn her into a flower. I'm ready for that one. Do you think that's supposed to be tongue in cheek though? Because I feel like there's a lot of that sort of creeping its way into this movie. Was it? I don't think it was played that way. Like it came off that yeah. way, but I don't know that that was intentional or if it was just like. But I was thinking huh. this is like the first time we talked about early on, uh, maybe like the intro episode talking about you know Snow White, Cinderella, or whatever. They're playing everything seriously, whereas modern day disney movies try to be like self-aware about stuff right and i feel like that's creeping its way into this even though it's in the fucking 50s i don't know if it really is or if we're seeing it through that lens and then adding it ourselves maybe but we get lines later where uh like when jumping ahead eight scenes when like the the prince philip finds you know this woman in the woods and uh falls in love with her or whatever and it's like oh you you can't marry her you're betrothed to someone else and he's like oh but yeah, you know, times are changing. It's the 14th century now, and that's like right. weirdly now that, that's like a pop joke. culture-y. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think this was, especially Probably if not. they left it like that, then maybe. But because yeah. they also put in the next line, like, she'll be expecting that, and she'll send a killing frost or whatever. Okay. And it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, that does So we're, that. we are being serious, and it's stupid. <laughs> right. Then they go on to explain that we should really feel sorry for Maleficent because she can't feel love. She's never experienced that. We basically, and I know it's the other way around, but we turn Maleficent into Voldemort uh, and just totally steal that from Harry Potter. And we feel sorry for her because you'll never know what love and friendship are. And she's like, oh, I was thinking, which I guess Harry Potter steals it from them. Fairies put their magic together and cast a spell of exposition here, explaining (laughs) Maleficent. You know, we don't outrank her, but we know (laughs) things she'll never know because she only knows, you know know 
violence. So and... the yeah, the three fairies uh, decide that they're going to take uh, Aurora away and raise them herself themselves. Yeah. But they, <laughs> in doing this, uh, make disguises they wave their wands and disguise mm. themselves and no one could possibly see through these oh yeah this is literally there was a one of the times the rock hosted <laughs> snl he was superman and clark kent but it was like super obvious that he was like because he had mm. like a white t-shirt but it was like a super see-through white t-shirt <laughs> where you could still see the superman stuff that's pretty clever and then like yeah and so it was just clark trying to deny the superman when everyone knows that he is right and that's pretty much what this was. Like, all yeah. they did was get rid of their wings and, like, maybe put something over their heads. Like, yeah, no, it's the exact same. It's uh, not exactly a see-through disguise. Sort I... of like in Lord of the Rings when you'll have to change your name, Frodo. Okay, I'll be Frodo Underhill. <laughs> yeah, no one will confuse me with any of the other Frodo's running around. I don't think he ever gives a first name when oh, he's Mr. Underhill. Yeah, fair enough. You got me there. Uh... So they're going to hide Aurora in the woods and raise her as their daughter. Yeah, I said they're going to. Yeah, so they're going to hide in the woods. Explain it like Pat Patterson giving a finish. <laughs> but I, I just wrote, I continue to question the point of doing this now as opposed to, say, 15 years and 364 days from now. Like, why do you have to take her away from her family and let her not know she's a princess her whole life? I mean, I guess if you do it now all babies look the same so you could have more deniability there where if she stays in the in the palace people are going to know what the princess looks like although it's not like they got social media like they wouldn't right. really know what she looks and like and at the same time we see later in the film maleficent still has to find aurora to do this well right like, but she doesn't know so if they just she just goes into hiding then Right, but that's what I'm saying. If they waited longer, that she would know what to look for. Like she has right. no idea what Aurora is going to look like because they took her as a newborn. You know that is accurate. I don't know. I thought this whole thing just seemed like some yeah. weird. It seems odd that Maleficent never questions where the three fairies are in the next sixteen years. Also true. I was going to say this whole thing seemed like some weird, like role-playing fantasy of this uh, main red fairy because she's like, "Oh, we'll all live in a woods together and raise this baby." Like some weird thing she's just had going or as Which... a. Then we do the thing of like trying to show them not adjusting to their their new magic free, their mu new muggle life or whatever they're right. eating. But we do that 16 years in the future. So for 16 years, they didn't get any better at this shit. Yeah, that, I still don't. I they've never baked that. anything. And yeah, it's like, and who the fuck was cooking Do they have a takeout time? business? Do they have like, are there restaurants? That's what I surmised in my notes <laughs> is that headcanon because they had to get rid of all these seamstresses and all the people mm -hmm. who were working with all the fabrics uh all of them opened up their own restaurants and now it's just a booming restaurants industry and that's where they were that all delivered to the secret cabin in the woods no <laughs> well, one knows where they it were is. they're disguised they could easily go out and get the i guess uh, maybe they barter with berries and that's why they sent her out to get more <laughs> berries all the time yeah it could be there you go all ties in so we see, once they leave the castle to go hide in the woods, we see Maleficent and her yeah. evil... She has a whole fucking army. And I, granted, they're stupid as can be. Yes. But a whole army at her disposal, like all the other villains we've encountered so far, have been on their own for the most part, right? I mean, the yeah, queen... Yeah, no one's really She's a queen, but she doesn't really... She has Hope, a huntsman, Captain I Hope, guess. maybe. I, I guess with his pirate crew but are they ever portrayed as a threat in any way though well, neither are these guys i don't think they, no i guess well no they do <clears throat> ambush the prince yeah okay yeah when we cut to uh you know the maleficent scene i just wrote meanwhile at castle grayskull right yeah <laughs> like maleficent's castle is fucking awesome <laughs> like we later reveal uh 
like the drawbridge is being held in place by like giant stone fists that come out of the ground. It's pretty like, awesome. It's so cool. It's yeah, it's very metal. Now I don't understand why. I mean, I get it. It's a trope. Like everyone who has an evil henchman has to have a fucking stupid <laughs> right. evil henchman. And maybe there's only so many types of people in the world willing to be evil henchmen like you yeah. got to have a certain moral compass for that or lack of one and maybe that's what goes along with it i don't know but it just seems odd to me that implausible to me that, like, right because well, we get maleficent talking to her pig and reptile minions that she's got one uh, of them voiced by uh, yeah uh candy candido was his name the the native american yeah, Chief I was going to say Pan the, and, and, and the big bear thing from uh, Bonko, right? Yeah, yeah. Lumpjaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're getting to hear his and voice the bat again. from uh, yep. Great Mouse Detective. Batty. <laughs> you came up with the wrong fucking name for him last time we I talked about I don't know his this. name. I think you called him Pringle then. So, <laughs> Fidget, I think is the his fidget name. Is fidget is his name. The bat. Fitbit. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Pringle. But the idiot minions were still looking for a baby for the past 16 years, like you said. That so is that's, funny. That's why they're stupid. But then we get to see Maleficent's, like, magic fucking wrath that she, like, zaps down on him. She shoots fucking lightning out of her, uh, out of her staff. And, like, I don't know, a big thing is, like, how does Maleficent's coolness stand up or whatever for this film, I think. And right now, I'm fucking digging it, because uh, purple's my favorite color, and the music was awesome for this. Like, yeah, all yeah, the Maleficent scenes, are, they're the only times I had anything good to say about the music, where I, I also assume they just took parts of the original ballet. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they had... Because that was great. So despite having the powers to just <clears throat> poof herself around anywhere she wants to be, she decides to send her bird out to go and look for... Uh, yeah. And, and, and I get that, you know, she could have done this at any point, but what's the rush? If you cursed her at 16, whatever. But for whatever reason, now we're sending the bird to go look for her. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, at this point, I was still thinking, like, I don't understand why Maleficent needs to know her location for the curse to play out. Like, it's a curse. Like, you talked earlier about, like, destiny. You can't escape your destiny. That's a big theme of this, I think. But, like, she probably could have escaped her destiny because it seems like destiny wasn't going to just happen unless Maleficent got off her ass and made it happen. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Which just seems strange. I don't know. And then we cut to 16-year-old Aurora uh, called Briar Rose by her her fairy parents. She's about to turn 16, and the, the fairies are getting together. They want to make her a surprise party, bake her a cake, all this stuff, so they... Aurora knows they're up to something, but she goes along with it, and they send her out to pick berries while they plan the party. And, uh, the big, this is where we get, like, how were you able to do things these past 16 years? Because Meriwether's like, oh, our time's almost up, let me get the wands so we can use them. And then they say, no, we can't use the wands, we gotta do it by hand. I'd like to think that for 16 years she's done this over every minor thing that has happened <laughs> every time. Like, we need to light the fireplace, I'll get the wands! Right. Oh, my shoe's untied again. I'll get the wands! I did think the baking of the cake scene was pretty funny because pretty it calls funny. for three cups of flour and she uses three different sized cups. <laughs> right, one, that was funny. Two, three. And then they're like sewing the, the dress and using Meriwether as a model. I and laughed out awesome. loud I did this too. Line. This, I wrote it down. Yeah, uh, it looks awful. That's because it's on you, dear. <laughs> Damn! That like, was that's the hardest laugh I've had in a Disney movie so far. Is, like, uh, fairies are savages. Ooh. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. But then even with all that, they still sort of get sentimental thinking about, oh, Aurora's going home and we got to go back to being magical fairies. I don't... <clears throat> it does seem like they should be on uh, on their toes more, you know? Like, they know the 16th birthday's here and they're thinking they're out of the woods, which, you know, obviously hubris goes along with the rest of, of okay. tragedy. But, like... yeah. But this is even stupider than most hubris, I think. Because it's like, on her 16th birthday, that's when the shit's gonna happen. Right. Let's go back home and on well, her 16th birthday for the party. That, and then they're like, I think we're out of the woods. It's like, this was the day. This is the yeah. deadline. You're not out of the woods. Celebrate like, the weekend after her right, 16th yeah. birthday. At least wait till, like, 11 o'clock that night. Like, Ugh. then maybe you could think, hey, we might make it, but... So we cut to Aurora in the woods. She's singing at some birds. Never seen that before right. in a Disney movie. Yeah, I don't know. It just made me think of Shrek. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's sort of hard to take that seriously now. But at, in the distance, we see the prince and his horse. Strapping young man the riding up. The prince is immediately uh, taken uh, by the princess when he when he sees her, like, right. hears her, which we get our Disney trope of the horse being jealous. Yeah, that, that's that's even still a thing. Like, when Tangled came yeah. out, that was still a thing then. Why? Why is that know. a thing? Like, Maybe it's because horses, the only sound they make is... I mean, I guess like you have derision. a bond, you know, with your, your steed. Right. But uh, it, it does seem a little ridiculous that they would be jealous of every... Which, it's, that was a thing in... Wasn't that a thing in... Uh, Pecos Bill, too. It was, yeah. yeah. What was the horse name? I don't know, but, like, sends the woman <laughs> up to live in the moon or whatever, like... Yeah. Yeah, we're just... That's, seems, that's always a thing, I guess. What did you write on the back of your page? Poor planning. I mean, I don't know this, but it's a flippy thing, <clears throat> and that's difficult to do, but, like... I don't know. Notebooks cost, like, 75 cents. So we're still singing at the birds, and she's singing a song about how she wants a man, and she's lonely, which... If I lived in the woods for 16 years with three old women, I'd probably be lonely too, so I guess that's a fair thing to want. Claims that she's met someone, but of course this someone is someone she's seen... In a dream. In a dream, yeah. Also, if I lived in the woods for 16 years with three old ladies, I'd probably be going crazy like that too and start talking about my dreams as right, if they were real. Right, has she even seen a man before? Like, <clears throat> I don't even know. She's telling all these to the woodland creatures and... The uh, the creatures themselves notice, like, looking off in the horizon, they see a man's boots and cloak and hats and all that, and they... Which I kind of assumed what they were going to do is go get him and bring him to I her. that too. And then so when they just took his clothes and did an animal Muppet Man here, yeah. uh, I was surpri- pleasantly surprised by right. that. They, uh, like, the bunnies each get in a boot and the owl is, like, flying and, like, got the cape around him, and then they... Uh, you know, sort of take the place of a man and dance with Aurora to the song Once Upon a Dream. Because I even tried to jump the gun in my notes and wrote, Prince happens to be nearby, uh, so the birds go off to ship them. They went, nope, <laughs> scratch that out. Steal yeah. his clothes and make Animal Muppet Man. Also, uh, I kind of assumed the prince was going to be, like, naked in the next scene coming up, but I uh, guess he had more clothes. But uh, we get, again, much like in Snow White creepy ass prince just horns in on this girl who's singing by herself and like just joins joins into her song invited but of course she's like oh well no you startled me but i'm in love but i guess because he can just join right into her song then that's a sign that they are Mm. meant to be you know soulmates sure (laughs) so aurora freaks out and runs away and uh refuses to tell her to refuses to tell the prince her name but she does say uh he calls out like when will i see you again and uh 
this seems like pretty much straight up Cinderella as, you know, not... <clears throat> we had Snow White earlier. This seems like straight up, it's midnight, I gotta go, but I need to see you. Like, it's... The parallels are like... Right, but unlike Cinderella, they she do does, make a date. Yeah, she says, meet me tonight or whatever. Right, in my cabin that you've never been to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, here in the woods. Which, I mean, I, get, it, I sure. get that she's not in on the plan, but uh, obviously goes out and tells the secret hiding place right away to the first person she meets yeah it makes me wonder how much we've educated her as to like stealth in the past 16 years right but uh <clears throat> so the fairies get fed up and decide to use magic to do yep uh all of their tasks they lock the doors to use secret magic but and, uh, the whole time they're doing magic there are puffs of magic smoke mm-hmm. that come out well, so they, they use the magic to make a real cake and a real dress, with the dress becomes a big thing between the fairies. Which, uh, this was done because the animators themselves argued over over pink and blue, and then they decided to make that just part of the story. That's um, pretty clever. So they had the fairies argue yeah. in the same way the animators did. They make the dress, but they can't agree on what color it should be, and so they sort of keep zapping it. Pink, no blue, no pink, and it's really pretty clever we also get a dancing mop in the scene which like as again fantasia yeah disney greatest hits here but uh yeah each of these passive aggressive magic color spells they're shooting they all bounce out and fly out the chimney which is a giant signal to hey here comes maleficent's evil crow flying along apparently the, the bird's name is never mentioned in the story but Correct. he does have a name apparently and it is diablo Okay. I don't know if he, he should have had like Spanish. That's what I was thinking. Like, he like, should have like every time he arrives had some sort of like uh, flamenco <laughs> guitar. Like <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Diablo. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem to fit with any of the rest of these names. But okay. Uh, but yeah, so the crow sees. Oh shit! There's a big magic fight going on over here these must be fairies i guess this must be where aurora is right but he doesn't fly off right away he goes to get more information first keep watching them and he gets to watch aurora coming home telling the fairies about the boy the fairies say this is bad because she's already betrothed again things that we could wait till next weekend to tell Aurora. right and so she what betrothed i can't be betrothed to marry a prince of course you can because you're a princess your parents are the king that's crazy she does not say that she says but i want to marry this boy she's not even phased no reaction to being told that she's a princess or that her parents are all magical fairies or that her parents uh, her actual parents like deserted her well not deserted her but let her be taken away no goes straight to crying about a boy she just met but i love him okay by the way, you're a princess. Right. <laughs> nope, not even a thing. But then we abruptly cut to something completely different. We get Skinny King and Fat King. Uh, <laughs> and a drinking song. <clears throat> yep. Uh, they keep talking about, like, oh, these 16 years are finally coming to an end. This is where I just wrote down, nobody's aged in 16 years. <laughs> uh, they start singing about being rich kings and having huge tracks of land <laughs> a minstrel guy is there as background comedy he like gets drunk while we're singing this song uh the song itself is pretty fun i thought it's just a total like like manly dick measuring contest kind of thing <laughs> yeah not an expert on drinking myself but i feel like a drinking song should be entertaining and this one was not yeah, really a little bit the only real reveal in this scene is that the the prince that's in the guy that's in the woods uh, is actually Prince Philip, who is betrothed to Aurora, and neither one of them know realizes it. Right, seems like a wacky misunderstanding is forming. So then Prince Philip tells his father that he wants to marry a peasant girl and no longer wants to marry Aurora. Right, 
Which, this is when we get the, oh, you're living in the past. This is the 14th century. The fairies then proceed to sneak Aurora back to the palace. Uh, There's going to be a kingdom-wide celebration, you know, once her birthday is over. And they can celebrate that the princess has survived uh, the spell. She's very mopey about going back to the castle. Yeah. Again, you'd think, I mean, even if you really wanted to be with this boy and you're disappointed that not you can't be with him, and I know teenagers are difficult to explain anyway. Right. But you would think, hey, I'm going to go see what my new home is going to be like. It turns out I'm a princess. I bet I'm going to get cool princess shit when I get there, you yeah. know. If she can't have this guy she just met, it doesn't matter to her. Right. She's quite a step away from... uh you know the the deep character that was lady in the previous film <laughs> yes that is true we're straight back to boys and i'm a wet blanket now because i didn't get what i want to be fair though she is at least a teenager this isn't that we're is not true. trying to say that all a women are this was way like a year old well but the dog years <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> that's teenager maybe no it's not <sighs> she has a kid by the end of it so or several kids by the end of it <laughs> so we go back to the kingdom uh, question marks that's all i've written after that because again this is the day it happens because there's gonna be a party a kingdom-wide celebration okay. to celebrate her making we it better past. go to that oh wait maleficent's a shadow in my fireplace watching me right and the summer she locks the fairies decide to leave her room to let her pout on her own again then any Malefic- guards whatsoever right. <laughs> so then maleficent uh appear well no she doesn't appear a green goo appears in the <laughs> right. uh, fire pa- fireplace yeah but it's like a we get like the transparent shadow of like maleficent like kind of blinks in and out watching her which i did think looked pretty badass but yeah so aurora follows the green light which leads to a secret staircase behind her fireplace which i questions again like was that always there is that a magical maleficent thing because that staircase leads her to the uh <clears throat> the you know the magical spindle that she's going to touch and then she does that and she dies and maleficent cackles and the fairies have to watch this happen because they were fucking dumbasses and did everything they could to not prevent it and so it's a total the bad guy won oh no she's asleep <clears throat> you know everything's you know maleficent gets to cackle it's like the dark middle chapter of the of the film and then uh the fairies plan moving forward here is like this crazy power trip move of like, oh, we can't admit that we lost, so let's put the entire kingdom to sleep as well until we can fix this, I guess. Yeah, but remember, they can only do good things with their magic. Mm-hmm. One princess died, everyone else's life has to be interrupted. One, put the, the entire kingdom in Everyone stasis. knew was coming and could mm-hmm. prepare for for 16 years to like come to terms with it. Some questionable morality of these yeah, fairies. Yeah, seriously. Also, I, why wasn't Philip affected by this? Is it just a, like, is it an area effect spell? I think so. I think because he wasn't okay, in the kingdom in the proper. Yeah. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Somehow, I didn't write down how, but somehow uh, the red fairy figures out the, the, the lover misunderstanding situation here. Just, oh, the guy in the woods was Philip. They can get married. Da, 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 da. So that's why they start flying back to the cottage because they know Philip's out there. And uh, that's their plan to get everyone back together and he can kiss her and fix it, I guess. So then we cut. Oh, that's how it happens. Hubert is telling, uh, is trying yeah, to tell the other sleepily. king. Uh, what's it? Stefan. Yeah. Trying to tell him what's going on about wanting to marry the peasant girl instead. Uh, 
and so as he's falling asleep, Flora happens to be near him and hears what Says he's saying. that he yeah. met her once upon a dream or something. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Boom. There that's you go. the thing. <clears throat> um, so they fly back to the cottage, and then at the cottage, we see Philip has, has found it, and he's like, oh, he's going back there to, for the date that he thinks is going to happen, and he knocks, and he hears a voice say, like, come in, and... <laughs> It's not the princess, it's Maleficent and her minions and total sneak attack, take him captive, take him to the tower. Again, you know, bad guys are winning. The fairies, uh, the fairies get to the cottage when it's a little too late and then at the red fairy says like, oh, Maleficent got him, Philip isn't here, Philip's at the Forbidden Mountain. <laughs> it's like, how hard did anyone work on naming that? Maleficent herself, specifically. And, like, everyone else, it's, like, a total gasp moment from the fairies. And it's, like, Forbidden Mountain, but we can't go there. It's, it's forbidden. forbidden. <laughs> but they do go there, and they jailbreak the uh, the prince and turn the bird, Diablo, mm-hmm. into uh, a gargoyle. Before we get that, we get a, a clip of just, like, the celebratory demon bonfire going on. Oh, yeah, that's true. That on, is going on. Which was, A, cool, and B, very reminiscent of uh, the Satan scene in Fantasia. True. And, like, most of what was going on with uh, Maleficent, I thought, just from the animation and, and music standpoint as well, which I guess makes sense if it's fucking Tchaikovsky. Did he do Night on Bald Mountain? I don't know. He did something in Fantasia. Okay, I'm wrong on that one, but... Uh, I don't know who did. It wasn't him. <clears throat> right. Well, anyway, everything with that was uh, pretty reminiscent. It was. And... I enjoy... And all this one appears, like you said, to be a little scarier. But I enjoy a good villain celebrating too soon. Yeah. And this could be the pro wrestling fan in me, too. But, like, you know, any of the times where McMahon and the corporation celebrate because they know Austin won't be there. And then he is, of course, there. And then here comes a Zamboni. Right. Which, speaking of, did you see the... Uh, I guess the McMahon clan went to the White House and got their picture made with Trump the other day. And then there was a, a tweet I saw that had that said Stone Cold Steve Austin has, has stunned 45% of the people in this picture. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. Uh, and, and all the people he hadn't were, like, the children in right, the photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So after the, the big celebratory uh, bonfire, we see Philip in the dungeon. And Maleficent goes down there to gloat. Uh, in true supervillain fashion, she reveals her entire evil plot to the prince. But uh, it is pretty sadistic stuff here because she says that... Uh, She's going to release him to awaken the princess, but it won't be until he's a decrepit old man and we get like a vision of what he's going to look like then. And so it's like, you can totally save her, but you, she'll be a young 16 year old girl and you'll be an old man and you won't get to be with her. And like, to which the prince should say, all right. <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> but I mean, that's pretty like grim, like, yeah, that's true. And yeah. it's, it's, it's just also cruel just sadistic and, yeah. villain shit. So. Yeah. And also another thing, like, despite the grimness of her, you know, explaining this scene, uh, it still, the music that plays to it is still like triumphant ass fairy tale, save the day music, which I thought was so cool of like, guess what? You are going to get what you want. You are going to get the big save the day thing, but here's why it's sick and twisted underneath. And that, that, that was a really neat creative direction. I felt. Yeah like suited the evilness of it i guess but the fairies free philip because they can outrank maleficent on this thing i guess jailbreak okay uh they free him and they give him a sword and a shield and they he starts escaping and then they use their fairy powers to like 
make dangerous things into not dangerous fairy things so like boulders are falling down on him and they turn those into bubbles and then they turn arrows <laughs> into flowers and then they protect him from hot oil with a rainbow uh also the crow is el diablo or whatever is flying around causing <laughs> shit and they they turn him into a gargoyle and that pisses maleficent off so then we get you know intense maleficent rage scene uh she you know philip's running back to the kingdom and maleficent like covers the whole kingdom in a forest of thorns and uh basically is like well when you want something done you got to do it yourself so <clears throat> she teleports over uh blocking philip from getting to the kingdom and i wrote the actual quote here because this not something nearly this badass has ever come out of a Disney character mouth at this point, I don't think, which was, now you shall deal with me, young prince, and all the powers of hell. Like, we have completely shifted from fucking Captain Hook a couple movies ago, or like, whatever villains we've gotten so far. It's actually the same thing I say to the toilet before I sit down. <laughs> but I also wrote that down. All the powers of hell. Right. And things look pretty fucking hopeless, because at this point she morphs into a fucking dragon. Which she's able to say in a way that is actually pretty, you know, terrifying. I can't say it without sounding like uh, Vince McMahon. The powers of hell! <laughs> yeah, doesn't quite uh, have that tone of voice to it. So she morphs into a dragon and chases him up a cliff. Total, like, totally hopeless moment of Prince dangling off a cliff. Big fucking dragon in front of her, in front of him. But the fairies use one last thing to, like, enchant his sword. Mm -hmm. saying like oh throw it true or some shit and he does throw it and stabs her and killing her but she does take one last bite at him on the way down and <clears throat> i mean this whole thing is so like not disney i feel mm -hmm. because like our villain died via sword to the chest like that there's no arbitrary disney bullshit of like lightning strike cliff falls apart right or like we always in every other Disney movie, I feel, do some sort of fucking, we gotta kill the villain, but we can't have the good guy actually do it. Right. We gotta and do it's okay to make of... the good guy do it if the villain turns into a dragon first. Like, if yeah. he stabs the witch, <clears throat> he, we that's wouldn't have him stab prob a woman. problematic. <laughs> right. Yeah, But the, the... yeah, you know what they used, by the way, to get the, the flame sounds from the dragon? Nope. Flamethrower. Really? They really did. <laughs> they got a flamethrower? Apparently so. That's yeah. fucking cool. And the sounds for the jaw snapping, castanets. Not that cool. But right. flamethrower. <laughs> holy shit well they were good flame sounds i'll give them that and again uh the the visuals i think look great in this whole closing thing and the the uh orchestral music going with everything i think looks or sounds great and that all comes together to make a really good just a really good intense scene but i don't feel like we've gotten that through this whole movie hmm. it's really just certain aspects of the movie work well i think maleficent dies they kiss. People wake up. Fairies continue to change the color of the dress as they dance. That's they dance off into the clouds. Right. Which uh, Walt wanted to use for Snow White. Wanted to use for Cinderella. <laughs> wanted to use for several of them. Finally, did use it. Uh, although wasn't it used on something else? Oh, Dancing in the it was clouds? used later on, but not. It was used in Beauty and the Beast, and then in uh, Princess and the Frog. <laughs> they just do that for every princess now. I guess. I guess so. But uh, it was something he wanted to do before this, didn't actually do it until the 10th movie, which uh, we'll talk about this once this episode is finished, but we're 10 movies in now. That is true. But yeah, that's that's how the film closes. Uh, I don't know. I think my biggest 
thing to I want to get out here in regards to my opinion of it is like pretty broad question. Who's the protagonist of this film? Is it Sleeping Beauty? Because she's Cause only conscious for like twenty really. minutes. Yeah. Is it the prince? Because he doesn't show up. Because we don't set through. that up at all. No. Is it the fairies? Maleficent is the only one causing shit to happen, but it's not about her quest. Like, uh, just every we're just so kind of unfocused. I think because of that, because we don't. The movie very much ends with. You know, the prince gets to be the big hero and save everybody, but we don't spend any real time with the prince setting that up. Yeah, everyone is pretty static here. No yeah. one goes through any type of journey. No one changes mm-hmm. any, really. Nope. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe the fairies learn to stick up for themselves, which they weren't going to do before. Right. And do 16 years later. Maybe that's really the, yeah. all that you get. I guess the fairies kind of... You know, it's kind of them conquering Maleficent because they helped the prince. But again, right? But they weren't going. The movie to... hadn't been about the prince. No, but I, it was about the fairies before. But I mean, they're but we're not focusing on them here. They're more like right. side characters. Yeah. When it could be, hey, there should have been a speech before, before they went to go rescue the prince, where the fairies talked to each other and said, hey we can do this like i know she's big yeah, and bad and help. scary but there are three of us and if we stick together we can do it we can total fight like evil uh, with goodness the the shakespeare the the speech the saint saint crispin's never mind <laughs> <Which> don't play <laughs> i don't remember which one it's from okay. but it's a big like war speech of like a uh, band of brothers comes from this speech and from okay. uh yeah anyway pretend i knew the right <laughs> quote pretend that the two english miners in the room knew which uh, it's not no okay, it's from a, a more minor play than that gotcha. but either way some sort of rousing speech we can do this that let's all good. work together well, we don't get that. do that with like because we get the arrows turned to flowers and like if it was just powers of good versus you powers do that of evil. too and say yeah we we can't make all these scary things but we can use what we can we make can you know we can use friendship flowers and, and rainbows and it turns and, into the care bears <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know you're right, though. We don't have a real protagonist. Right. And because of that unfocusedness, the things that I think work in this movie, I think don't work in the long run because we didn't really lay the groundwork for them. Because our big closing thing is awesome, but I don't feel like the movie leading up to it fits or is awesome in its own rights. And so, like, that fucks with most of my scores and my enjoyment of this movie, I think. It's true. Because, like, plot uh, matters, if you will. I was thinking, meh, kind of dull. Like... We're unfocused, and a lot of our plot points, which I guess we're doing fairy tales, we're using a source material, but most of the film feels like a rehash of other things. So if I think if we tweaked it, we could have got a really good stuff out of this. And, like, there's a market there for, like, a medieval, like, young adventurer kind of story because we get that in a couple films. Not necessarily done well, but we, that's what Sword and Stone is meant to be, I think. Well, and especially if, I mean, obviously it's named after Sleeping Beauty. Right. But she she's not a main character, like... <laughs> and so if you reframed it and made it about Philip, yeah. and I'm going to go on this quest and I'm going to defeat this evil fairy and i'll win the girl and like make it all about him and his journey then that could have worked but we didn't do that mm-hmm. he's he enters the story halfway through the movie he's just roaming through the woods he's not right you know and like i don't know so i was thinking two probably for the plot yeah i said two and a half yeah. so we're pretty close on, the, on that there's nothing really original and yeah it's a fairy tale it can only be so original like you were saying but you could tell them in unique ways and i know we're right. not trying to sp- 
put our weird spin on it like we're in these early disney movies we're trying to just tell the story yeah uh but this story is weak and of the of the fairy tale disney movies i would easily put it at the bottom of the yeah. bunch well like, if this was a universe where like snow white and cinderella hadn't happened yet this movie would probably feel a lot fucking better that's probably true do you think um but like after this movie they don't make another fairy tale until little mermaid yeah uh and so that's 30 something years later but when we get around to that this movie uh, didn't perform well i know that so i wonder if they felt that as they were making it too like we are rehashing this fairy tale stuff it's diminishing returns like we're not doing it as well because cinderella's definitely well done really good (laughs) better than i mean snow white especially for a first attempt yeah really really good Cinderella well, improves upon that and is even better, right. and this is less than. Right. Well, and like, but Snow White is all about Snow White, the character. True. She falls asleep and, in the last 10 minutes. And Sleeping Beauty has 12 lines, I think, in this movie, maybe 18. Yeah, I don't it's know. Not I looked many. it up. It's not many. And she sings a and song. And they're mostly about things like, but married. I picked berries yesterday. Like, she has no personality. <laughs> right. She sings. That's all we really know about her. Right. And she's pretty. And really, those are the gifts she was given. I mean,. <laughs> It's true. And speaking of singing, you want to talk music? Because I don't think that's really great either. There's only one real sing-along. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that we're using the the classical piece and yeah. embellishing that. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. But as we saw with Fantasia, that can only take you so far. Right. And like, so we made up words to go on top of it. Cool. We made up really lame words and didn't put mm-hmm. a lot of work into our lyrics. Not cool. Right. Uh, you're right the music enhances some scenes along the way but usually what we focused on when we've talked about music is the songs themselves accurate more than this the score of the movie yeah and so i can't give it more than a two and a half that's what i'm giving to and also i think i'm gonna start lumping my score praise in with like mise-en-scene as opposed to because i I think music you're right should just be yeah i think the sing-alongs the disneyness uh yeah, because I think when you think about the the music in a Disney movie, you don't think about the back the music that was playing when the prince rides up on his horse. Right. Like you think about Hakuna Matata, or you think right. about when you wish upon a star. Right. Those are two totally different songs that just pulled out random Disney songs. Name two Disney songs. Hakuna Matata, When You Wish Upon a Star. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know the Cusco's theme from uh, <laughs> what's his name. <laughs> You know the story on that? Uh, they originally wanted Sting to sing that song, mm-hmm. and Sting said, I think you should get someone younger. I think it'll be w- much better. <laughs> they picked Tom Jones? Yeah. If you get someone younger, it'll make it a lot more hip. You should get some young, uh, current <laughs> pop guy. And they went, okay, Tom Jones. <laughs> the least so they young hip Way guy. older, and it actually worked much better. I don't think yeah, it would have no, worked great. if they'd have used, I don't know who would have been big. Sting the, does like the shitty credits song Yeah, in movie. if they'd have done like the fucking Backstreet Boys or whoever was popular at this point in time, like in, 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 Enrique maybe. Iglesias or something. Probably. like It wouldn't have worked. Ricky Martin is the real answer. <laughs> that might have been cool. Uh, Meanie is about all there is to talk about this movie, because, I mean... I've said a lot about her. You were the one saying, like, does her coolness hold up at all? I would like to know your opinion on that. I think uh, she suffers, and this is not her fault. She suffers from being in a stupid movie? Yes. But also, uh, it's one of those things where if you haven't seen something and everyone else tells you it's the greatest thing ever, then you naturally approach it like, but is it, though? Yeah. And uh, it. Yeah, and, and, and... Yes, she can do all this cool shit. She can turn into a dragon. She's definitely a stone-cold bitch from the first time we see her. She's cruel. Uh, All of that. And especially what you were saying, uh, 
about letting him save her but waiting till he's an old man which i actually didn't pay attention to yeah. when i was watching the movie but yeah i mean that is I mean, a cruel like twist, cruel twist. Knife kind but of if we're, i think because the same and if she had a different voice actress it might be different too but because we heard the same uh actress do to me a better job with lady tremaine mm. uh where i felt like that was a more maybe that was just a more relatable character than than yeah, uh, maleficent probably. is but and then I started thinking about all the stuff she has at her disposal. Like she it has be a one side, an entire <laughs> army. She's the most powerful fairy in the land. No, none of the other fairies dare stand up to her and she can turn into a dragon. Did I already say that? Yeah. I don't know. But she does. Anyway, she can do all of these things yet doesn't accomplish anything. No. And, uh, she picks the most arbitrary ass destiny kind of way to enact this vengeance. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I went with a four. Like, I, yeah. obviously, I enjoyed her. I think I went into it thinking, well, I have to give her a five because this is the one everyone says is the best villain. Right. But then, I mean, I gave I her think four. So, like, but what's a better villain out there? Like, because I also think I gave Lady Tremaine a four if we were going wow. back to Cinderella. Because I think what I wrote was, while she was fantastic, I have a hard time calling her a villain because she doesn't really do anything. I mean, she's a little cruel to Cinderella, yeah. but she's mostly trying to help her daughters mm-hmm. uh, and their own she's, future. She's more than a little cruel to okay, Cinderella. She's very cruel to her. <laughs> but, like, especially, like, locking her in the tower or whatever and like she yes it's awful to do that but at the same time she wants what's best for her kids and wants you know them right to to get with the the prince and to be princesses and most parents would do whatever you know they can to help their children out right i mean now maybe not at the expense of what should be her her third daughter after her uh, you know husband dies or whatever anyway i mean stronger villains than this you'd have to jump to probably renaissance era disney of uh scar uh ursula, ursula which was what i was thinking last Perlo. night when i was uh yeah sure i don't um, think about him very often but yes he's the best part of that movie <laughs> yes it's true um, um uh i mean there's a we keep saying like we're close to hitting a downturn or whatever in these films or like you know we're not gonna reach the good stuff for a while there's still a big heavy hitter coming oh up. yeah Corilla deville i didn't even think about that that's not the one oh, i was talking okay about. well i mean that too Just though films She's in general villain. i mean we're only three or four films away from jungle book so oh yeah sure con uh, but yeah, Corilla Deville, which apparently was not where you were going with that, uh, is a, I mean she's a threat all the way throughout. Yeah, uh, she is loves being evil. Yes. So there you go. So there are better villains out there. She's been mm. overrated, which is not to say she's not easily the best part of this movie, uh, which she of course is. I like Maleficent. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not giving her more than a four out of five. Yeah, I thought about giving her a five and then took it took it down because. She is brought down by the movie that's around her. Because yeah. Cause also, she doesn't need to be that badass when there's no, like, threat. nothing. Yeah, nothing around her is forcing her to be that evil. Like, uh, if you, like, think about, like, Sauron, uh, he needs to be that powerful or whatever. The idea of him. The because he's fighting elves and men and dwarves and, like, he's fighting all of this stuff. So he needs to be the baddest of the badass. Right. She is just a picking really yeah. like just a bully like, i mean she does this because she was got snubbed on an invite to a birthday party like right and uh, maybe she's done other bad things too who right. knows and i, I like, think the image of 
you know, this tall ass green woman in black robes shooting magic and shit is fucking cool. And I, yes. I, I, I think that's true of the film Maleficent too with Angelina Jolie. Like, regardless of whether the movie ended up good, I think it's really cool that kids are going to grow up watching like this character looking fucking awesome and like, <laughs> uh, you know, looking like a big, strong, like female villain and slash, you know, gets like a, the, sympathetic kind of thing to be a protagonist in that film just angelina jolie in this role looks awesome and the original design of maleficent like especially with the monster villains and like she's meant to be like the wicked witch or whatever but not so fucking nasally and easily defeated right and so like that's good but you're right she is still kind of easily defeated she doesn't try to win at any point during this movie she really shouldn't be jobbed out the way she is to the people around her. Mm -hmm. And like, because there's so many just weird logic gaps to this movie, the ultimate badass doesn't look like an ultimate badass. She looks like kind of an idiot. So I went four and a half instead of five. It's a little, I'd like to see her in a better movie basically. So then we could go on to mise-en-scene and you know, like you said, if we think about the music along with the the look of the film, yeah, then uh, I think that improves the way we could look at the the, the film's mise. I mean, because it is a cool idea, like we've said a few times, to take the original classical piece of music, right? Put it in this new setting. Uh, the colors, I go back and forth on whether or not I really enjoy them. They're bright though, and that's fun. And the film itself, we haven't really talked about this so much, but it was the first film that was, or Disney film that was made uh, in widescreen. I don't remember which uh, ratio they use, but it's an extra wide uh, ratio. And so the the work of that took, forced the animators to work very hard. It's probably part of what made it take uh, as long to make. And in fact, they didn't do another one in that same ratio until The Black Cauldron, Cauldron, which also took several years to make. Uh, so maybe, I mean, that could count as, now I watched yeah. it on Freeform, and so you didn't really get that experience, but if you do sure. watch the uh, the Blu-ray, uh, it does have it in the more of a letterbox thing, huh. uh, because it is so wide. Um, yeah, interesting. Which is cool for all that flashiness of the colors, too, yeah. where you can see that much more, and you get right. more of a, like panoramic view of things. But anyway, uh, I'm just sort of rambling here. I gave it a three. <laughs> okay, see, because I... I went higher on this one because I'm not going high on the rest of these scores. Well, neither am I. But, uh, yeah, because I, I do dig the style, even if I did think it looked like Monty Python animation a little bit at the beginning. But when we get to, like, the action scenes, I think those are pretty much perfect of just just intensity and, like, like this the scary shit we got in Fantasia, which, except now, it's not at the end of a two-hour-long snore fest. It's, like, the best part of a 100-minute movie. Not even that much. Of, like, an 80-minute movie. <clears throat> so that really punches hard, and I think that works well. And especially with the orchestral soundtrack in the background. So, Right. I'm not willing to go any higher because I can't decide if I really like the, the, the visuals or not. Yeah. So, like, I like the colors, but don't necessarily like the backgrounds. And, mm-hmm. like, it goes back and forth yeah. from scene to scene. And so that's why I couldn't go any higher than my three. Understandable. And then we got message again. This, <laughs> like, I mean, most of the 
the messages are like can't escape fate but we don't tell it as like a greek tragedy kind of thing right and then she does escape it right like, and also boys are the most important seems to be what all of uh aurora herself has on her mind which is not right i mean we don't flesh her out at no. all like the only gift she was it's like they maybe the third gift was supposed to be brains and <laughs> it just maybe. never happened or personality and neither yeah. of those uh, came to be so because uh, i made fun of snow white for being kind of a like blank slate character but she's nothing compared to right, aurora we at least get to see her being friendly to people snow yeah. white uh where she wants the dwarves to like her she wants right uh She's kind to the huntsman, right. even though he's going to kill her. Uh, she seems to be a good person. And not that not that Aurora's not, but Aurora is just there. We don't know yeah. anything about her She's other than she, good at picking she berries. picked berries yesterday is really all we know about her. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I got nothing really on message. I think we tried to do a thing with the trying to deal with fates, but it, it doesn't really come across. I don't know. I'm going one and a half. I did two, mm. two points. Yeah. Uh, for the reasons we just said, it, I don't think there really is a message here. If there is, I mean, what is it like? It's not, if we had told the story, like we talked about doing from the point of view of the prince, then mm. it could be a message of training and fighting, whatever, you know, and overcoming obstacles. Right. Or even if we had done my idea about the, the fairies and the yeah. like, well, if we touched up the fairies a little bit, cause they seem to be sort of nature-y, like we could try to do a nature versus. And that's what they're, I think, going for with their names, at least with flora yeah. and fauna. But... But, well, I, like, seems like I would want the villain if I was putting this, like, trying to come up with this script, if I'm going nature, I want my villain to be, like, man-made industrial kind of stuff, so nature overcomes that. I mean, I, yeah. But that's even not if you what don't Maleficent have, is. Well, industrial would be weird in a medieval. Yeah, that wouldn't fit the setting. No, but, I mean, I guess she does have the fire and that kind of stuff, which would be sort of yeah. destructive to nature itself. Uh, I don't know. But uh, a two, nothing, nothing. Right. And a two is probably generous, as far as messages go. Like, what I don't know what we're supposed to get from this other than, you know, maybe we thought it looked cool and that villain was neat, but yeah. And so all this comes down to magic. How magical is sleeping beauty? All the magic seems like rehashing from better movies to me. Like why watch this when there's snow white, when there's Cinderella. Right. That is true. I just, I don't know. Again, there's so there's maybe some magic to the idea of, you know, noble, prince warrior stands up medieval arthurian kind of thing like we could try to do that but we don't until sword mm -hmm. in the stone really and so if we don't develop that i can't really call it that magical so bleh, i'm going two points yeah um i mean i guess there is magical if you interpret magical magicality magicness sure. yeah magicality we'll stick magicality. with that uh as memorability then uh then that's also not that high I well, don't think. no but i think that allows uh maleficent to yeah. help that's whereas true. if you just take it as just magic and reducing it to to a yeah. gif then i don't know but yeah what's the gif of this movie the transformation dragon? into the dragon yeah, probably I yeah i mean maybe which has the, nothing to do with sleeping beauty the dance in the clouds if you were lame but uh probably i don't know what it should be is the snappy uh this dress looks <laughs> terrible on this dress looks terrible that's because it's on you, you like, dear oh snap but no i i, I gave it a, th a three for magic um, and, and that is solely based on maleficent uh, yeah She's the only one bringing anything to the dance here. And that song, uh, Once Once Upon a Dream. Uh, it's, it's okay. Yeah, uh, it's okay, but it's memorable, I think. Yeah. 
dream is a wish your heart makes is better yeah but i don't think people know that song as much as they know this song i don't know i don't know all i know is uh when i did my uh study abroad and we were for whatever reason as a group where we were supposed to be like coming up with fairy tales making our own little like short versions of fairy tales or whatever and uh there were people here from from all over the world Mm. uh doing this and so one of the groups went and they were made up of uh all french teachers from uh south america and they made a fairy tale and i don't even think they did sleeping beauty but they they had a moment where the prince and the princess looked at each other and all of them started humming this song the once once upon a dream Hmm. so i I think there must be i mean and maybe that's that's clearly an anecdotal evidence uh of that but uh, i i mean i think this song is something people think of as sort of a quintessential like prince princess love at first sight sort of thing but i could i'm struggling to remember how it even went when i watched the movie last night yeah okay which again is not Disney being magical, as that's just <laughs> right. Tchaikovsky being taking, magical. yeah. But I don't know. Either way, I gave it a, a three. Yeah. So totaling these up, uh, let me see here. So if you total mine up, I went with two and a half for the matters, four for the meanie, two and a half for the music, three for the me's, two for the message, and three for the magic, which adds up to seventeen pig minions out of thirty. Okay, uh, then this is going to be a first here because I went two for the matters, four and a half for the meanie, two and a half for the music, four and a half for the mise en scene, one and a half for the message, and two for the magic, which also adds up to 17 pigment minions out of 30. Oh, you used the same uh, thing no. as me? Oh, okay. <laughs> which also adds up to 17 uh, dresses that look ugly on you. <laughs> out of 30 fantastic uh this sort of first same score yeah that is in 10 episodes yeah a landmark episode Mm -hmm. uh we didn't really address this at the beginning so i feel like we should address it now and maybe we'll do another episode a bonus episode addressing this but we've made it through 10 and uh we're not the kind of guys to toot our own horns but toot toot in the words same damn thing on episode five (laughs) the words of arn anderson damn it (laughs) not the kind of guys to toot our own horns but toot toot anyway (laughs) There's a toot for you. Yeah, I, I've tooted several times since I haven't actually. Anyway, uh, we made it through ten, and I think that's an accomplishment. It took us, you know, close to a year. Uh, we'll see if we can churn them out any faster next year. Who knows what our next ten? Who knows? But I think, uh, you know, for the last few episodes, we've just been saying our top five at the end of the episode. Yeah, I think we should do the. Full I think list. we should do the full list, and we should for all future landmark episodes. I'd say as I go to get the full list. Oh, I prepared my full list yesterday because I was ready for this. I'm literally never ready for this. You know it's coming every time. If we use the damn Google spreadsheet that we set up and never used, we'd still have to pull out a device. No, but we oh, or we could glance at it before we started. So if we take my my top ten list, I'm gonna have to fucking tie break or something. This is gonna take a minute. <laughs> I know I gave something else a 17. So the scale, each, there are six categories. Each one has a possible five points. goes out of 30. We literally just did this. Yeah, but I'm getting ready to restate the scores again. I'm making sure everyone understands. And so number 10 of the 10 movies we've done so far on my list with a measly 11 and a half points out of 30 is Dumbo. Dumbo. Uh, next is one that should sound familiar to you, Sleeping Beauty with 17. <laughs> the ninth worst or yeah ninth no second to worst ninth best of the 10 uh, shit 
it's the ninth best of the ten we've seen, Sleeping Beauty. What a compliment. <laughs> Put that on the front of the DVD cover. Better than Dumbo. Uh, 17 out of 30. Uh, that is even below Fantasia, and as we've said in literally every, every episode since we watched Fantasia, I hate Fantasia, but uh, Fantasia is third, or I guess if we're counting down, Fantasia's shit. Uh in every episode since we recorded it, I have shat all over Fantasia, and it is eighth in my list. It uh, finishes ahead of uh, Sleeping Beauty and Dumbo uh, with 18. Uh, then uh, seventh on my list with 18 and a half is Alice in Wonderland, which if you haven't listened to that episode, that one is off the rails from the beginning and just us just totally not trying to talk about that movie, if at all uh, possible. Correct. Uh, so that was Alice at seven. Then six is Pinocchio uh, with 20 and a half. And then we get into my top five, uh, my fave five, if you will. Uh, Lady and the Tramp at number five with 21. Then Bambi at number four with 22. Then Peter Pan at number three with 23. Then Snow White at number two, also with 23. There was a magic tiebreaker there. And then number one of the first 10 movies, and probably number one for a while, uh, is Cinderella. Cinderella, Cinderella, night and day at Cinderella. All right, well, over here, uh, after doing some quick figuring uh, on my notes, um, number 10, no surprises here, it's Dumbo. Dustin gave it 11 and a half, I gave it 6, so <laughs> with a zero magic score. <laughs> that movie uh, is so bad. But then uh, we get a big clustered up bit as we jump up to number 9 with 16 points was Peter Pan. Which I know Dustin hates me for. <laughs> yeah, Peter Pan is number three in my list, but it's number nine in Jake's. Mm-hmm. Then we have number eight, which Dustin also hates me for, is Bambi with 17. Uh, that Number four in my list. That is tied. Also, we just did 17. Tied with Sleeping Beauty also got 17. And then they had the same magic score of two, but our backup tiebreaker is the meanie score, which Maleficent is able to pull through here for that. So, ten, Dumbo, nine, Peter Pan, eight, Bambi, seven, Sleeping Beauty, six, I have Fantasia, also with 17, (laughs) but it had three magic, so it's above all those. Then five, Alice with 18. Four, Pinocchio, also with 18. That was a super tie, I had to do a coin flip. (laughs) Then number three, Lady and the Tramp with 19 and a half. Number two, Snow White with 20. And then number one, Cinderella with 23 and a half. And those are our Disney power rankings after the first 10 films. So all the more impressive that we finally had one that tied as none of our scores, even on the ones that we both like, yeah. not, our scores there, are not there's normally There's always been a differential. Usually I get I score things higher than Jake Every has. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so clearly with me giving just gifting dumbo 11 and a half points right but uh yeah so but we we felt the same way about sleeping beauty although it ended up in different places on our list as it was ninth in mine but you know that's that's why we do this and uh this is is why i struggled with this when we did it in 2009 because these were super arbitrary then because i wasn't using the number ranking system that probably was different i was just like i like uh bambi more than fantasia (laughs) but now that i've put numbers on them i know that i like bambi and fantasia the same but fantasia beats it with a magic tiebreaker so so i worry i mean and maybe it'll work out but i worry since you've had this many ties on good movies 
you know, as we get ready to fall off the, the <laughs> cliff here, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen when we are reviewing Oliver and company and the rescuers, how will you find room for them all? But I worry about it on my own list too, but hmm. what? Kay Nielsen, whose sketches were the basis for Night on Bald Mountain in Fantasia, was the first to produce styling sketches for the film Sleeping Beauty in 1952. So that explains a lot of the connections I saw there. There you go. In 1952 for a movie that didn't come out until 1959. So you're talking about the films that we still have coming up and wondering how they're going to rank the next movies on our list. We still got a couple of heavy hitters. Uh, We've thought this movie was coming up for a long fucking time but apparently it's not till now 101 dalmatians that one will be a big one you've already talked about the the meanie you're real excited about and uh i'm really excited about the music of that one i always found that one found <laughs> i always found the the music in that film to be very memorable plus we get to talk about dogs again seems like it's been so long since we did that and then uh yeah most of these movies coming up i'm still excited about we, we don't get shitty for a while Sword in the Stone is after that. It's kind of shitty. Spoilers, but uh, we can talk about that when we come to it. Then Jungle Book, Aristocats, Robin Hood, Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. All those movies are great. I'm excited. Yeah, we're about to hit a nice sweet spot. Then The Rescuers. Yeah. (laughs) Whoops. But that's all tabled for a later date. So until then... We'll just be, uh, be wrapping things up. I want to thank you guys again for listening to us. Actually, you know what? I'm not thanking you. Uh, I don't want you to follow us on Twitter at DisneyDudesPC. I don't want you guys to leave an iTunes review. I don't want you to email us your thoughts on Disney movies or feedback on the podcast. What is happening? DudesWatchDisney at gmail.com is where you should not go. I don't want you to follow us on SoundCloud or leave comments or like us, uh... Do you think this reverse psychology is working? Uh, I mean, I hope so. I hope you're not just alienating our three listeners. <laughs> Seriously, do those podcast things that we like you to do. Other than that, I guess we're done here. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for watching with us. We will see you next time. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. And dudes. A dudes. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Jake here, reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to be talking about are 101 Dalmatians and Sword in the Stone. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye! Bye!